whenever you are and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you have chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We got you. We're in your ear holes. Doesn't it feel good to know I'm talking about you? We're going to be with you for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Casper, Third Love, and Gamefly. They bring the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games, and there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis... The guy who you never want manning the grill on Labor Day because he's probably grilling vegetables. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Dude, don't don't even come to me. Don't don't even try to tell me that grilled corn isn't one of the best things that you can put on a grill. I love grilled corn. I love grilled zucchini. I love lots of grilled vegetables alongside my grilled meats. It's it's not a replacement for the grilled chicken and the, the patties and the Oh, Do you know what is a replacement for that, though? Like, animals have feelings and meat is bad for the environment? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I guess. But not on Labor Day. <laughs> not on Labor Day, though. And not on Labor so It's real a quick, holiday from your your guilt, is my, what that is. My kids watch Charlotte's Web for the first time with my wife. Mm-hmm. And if you know the story, you know the story. And then as I walked by to come do this show, and I walked by and I go, and that's why I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> and your kids are like, sigh, dad. Yeah, yeah as they n- cry. No one else in my family is. My wife and kids aren't. And they were like, yeah, cool. We just watched a movie. Get out of here, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man, what a big week. It, it is Labor Day here in the U.S. Uh, we got a long, long weekend. So long that you're getting this a day late. But there's a reason why you have gotten this episode a day late. It's because we are waiting to release it until after the embargo for Spider-Man is up. I've been playing Spider-Man and I asked Twitter. 10. 12 out of 10. Hmm? 6 out 12 of 10. Out of, 15 out of 10? Is that what you said? 15 out of 10. Uh, I, have, I asked Twitter if, uh, if I should have the show come out a day late or if we should wait and talk about Spider-Man until after the embargo next week. An overwhelming response was delay the show a day. So that's what we're doing. So you're hearing this on Tuesday or later. So thank you for bearing with us and letting us wait an extra day to release it. And follow uh, in the Jeff po- on Twitter for politics, 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 poll about the video game show I do, politics, politics, <laughs> picture <laughs> of my cute kid. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, so yeah, in the playlist, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man, but we have tons of news to talk about. We got other games to talk about, and we have an awesome guest to do it. You know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, once again, DLC stands for... I guess now former director who loves cats because you know him from entertainment weekly ew.com formerly uh, and from several appearances on this show one of our favorite guests who's now doing something new but i think we're not able to talk about it yet right aaron morales yeah yeah, yeah that's right um i will be announcing it soon um in the next coming weeks because i'm going to start working again which is really sucks because i've been off work for five months which is really awesome and all i've done is play games ah so. well that <laughs> makes you the perfect candidate to be back and we love hearing from you uh it's a it's a perfect week to have a morales on the show for reasons we'll get into uh it's just it's just great all around i'm so glad that you're uh, you're back and we're we're excited to dig in i'm just so thrilled this week i got so many fun things to talk about so let's jump right in with story of the week 
Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit, just 5x5dlc.reddit.com unusually juicy week fellas uh i'm very excited there's a there are a lot of really prime candidates for story of the week aaron you are our guest so you get first pick of stories what would you consider to be your story of the week i think the the biggest thing everyone's been talking about is uh the cyberpunk 2077 like 50 minutes of footage that was released um you guys probably saw it at e3 i'm not sure i hadn't seen it at all so it was really, really interesting for me to like finally get you know my eyeballs on it and see how insane it looks. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys thought and if you actually did see it. Yeah, I saw it at E3 and we talked about it on the show in detail then. But it, it was you know it was just kind of us talking about it and uh, trying to relate all of the details. And it's hard to relate forty eight, I guess forty eight minutes of footage <laughs> uh, verbally. Uh, it's so cool that finally CD Projekt Red has now released what was pretty much exactly the E3 behind closed doors demo now uh, online. Uh, Christian, did you get a chance to watch it or did you sort of skim through it or what did you see? I, uh, yeah, I skimmed through it. I did not watch all of it. Um, I, I pretty much only watched the parts where the F-bomb was dropped. Everything. Oh, else so you watched I, all of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I watched all of it. No, I, I watched most of, but not all of it. Um it's impressive. So I have a question for you, and I think I know the answer, but I want to ask it to you out loud now. Um, when you were behind closed doors, was this game actually being played, or is this a well-produced video that looks like it's being played? Uh, it was actually being played. Uh, I was literally sitting next to the guy holding the controller, and I often looked at him. Uh, uh, ben and I were both, Ben Silverman and I, who was on the show with us that week, uh, we were sitting next to each other. And then to my right was the guy holding the controller. And uh, I watched him play it. I mean, I, I pinged my eyes back and forth from the screen. It was pretty clear that he was playing it. But of course, while that is impressive, that doesn't mean they were playing a full version of the game. It, right, it, like certain it, doors couldn't be opened probably or what he's playing through. But And people... the way these things work is that when when a thing is live played like that, the person who is driving it does 400 test drives and gets down exactly the moves they're going to do step by step. I mean, it's almost like watching a game's done quick, except that the goal isn't to be quick. It's to be impressive. And so, you know, these guys are very well trained to do exactly what needs to be done to not break anything and to be as, as cool as possible. That isn't to take anything away from the demo, but that is how these things are orchestrated. Yes. But it, it is stunning. I mean, the amount of detail in the world, um, in the environments, texts on, you know, rusted away signs or chalkboards, labels on food items and litter scattered throughout um, wind and walking through plastic curtains to show you the way it ripples as you walk through it like that was intentional. You know, you could definitely could have walked around half of the curtains they, they walk through. Um, the lighting change from inside to outside, even just initially in the first few minutes when they go out onto the balcony for a, a rescue squad to come in. And then later in the demo, we're going through this dark hallway and the greens. And then I think uh, V turns a corner and it's like a yellow light kind of floods the play space. Absolutely stunning. That said, um, 
it is it is grotesque in a way that and I don't mean the nudity that breasts or the f bombs, but it is a version of cyberpunk that is um not uncommon, but not sh- I mean it is it's it's frightening the way arms are being torn off and and even the way the implants kind of the arm changes in a very gothic i don't i don't quite know the right word but it's very forced and angular and um even though the world is can be clean at times the way people move and interact through it is um it's disturbing i think yeah i think by design i think the the setting the old tabletop uh role-playing game was sort of built around that fiction as well. This, you know, body mutation and body uh, improvement, augmentation, sort of, um, you know, biohacking thing. It is meant to be a little grotesque. I think they leaned into that, certainly. Um, Aaron, you said you were very impressed with it. What what was your take on the demo overall and, and your impression of the game? It, it definitely worked for me because honestly, it kind of, I, I didn't go to E3 and I know it was like a big thing there, but it was never super big on my radar, mostly because I'm not, um, I, I've never really played a CG Project Red game. Like I never played The Witcher. I, I know it's like not for me, uh, hmm. but this uh, gameplay video kind of won me over really quickly because I just think it looks spectacular. So how, how is The Witcher, how was The Witcher not for you, which I, I, fine P- different games for different people i get that yeah but how is the witcher not for you and what about this makes it think it is for you the shift in perspective from third to first no swords and guns like what about this gets you hyped for cd project right now i think that's part of it i think the, the witcher is just too much rpg for me um like that's generally not one of my favorite genres and i watched a friend play it and i just was bored watching him so i was kind of like all right maybe so not. Is it the um, i definitely do the shooteriness of this that makes it work yeah I, I think it looked more um like the action looked better than i thought the witcher's action looked like the witcher did not look like um a zelda game you know it looked like a well it looked like a zelda game with bad combat uh <laughs> and a good story i know but yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I, I definitely thought the con- the combat was the thing that kind of drew me in, and I hope that that is like a good, you know, kind of triple A like FPS experience. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, I have basically the exact opposite feeling because, of course, I love The <laughs> Witcher, and um, I'm still having a hard time getting over the fact that it is so shootery, and those action sequences are pure shooter. Um, you know, and I know that that all of the damage numbers and stuff are calculated based on RPG formulas, and all of your stats are taken into account, and your weapon is taken into account. And it is a, a true simulated role playing game, as as you know, as a role playing game should be. But it still looks and feels very shootery, and I, I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around that because it's not not what I was expecting this game for. However many years I've been anticipating it, well, not what I was expecting, and not the games that I love. Uh, I tend to not love shooters as much as role-playing games. And, uh, and so it's all of the other stuff in the demo that, that wins me over. It's the dialogue, it's the world building, it's the, the sense of scale and place and activity and density of the world that is, I think so cool. And all the car driving and stuff like that. It does feel like the game is going to be very, very combat heavy uh, for, for, as a shooter and I, I just that is a knock against it in my books. But you know, I'm glad it's I'm glad it's positive for you. But wouldn't it be, wouldn't 
wouldn't it be great if they could actually marry those things together and make like an excellent shooter and an excellent RPG? Because it seems like we only get one or the other. You know, it's like it, it's hard to get everything um, firing, it seems like, with these genres. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and maybe that's what they will deliver with this. It certainly seems to be their intention 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 <laughs> i've had a long day guys <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm inventing new abbreviations uh i live in socal i breathe um it's in, it's straight up their intention um <laughs> but uh yeah it's their intention to to create that kind of uh, experience and i think i think they may succeed and i i anticipate falling in love with it i anticipate getting used to it you know you play a game or you see a demo like this or any demo and it's like this section of the game from a little ways in or far ways in or whatever. And you didn't get that ramp up into the experience. And and it tends to be the case, especially with big, long sprawling RPGs like this, that ramping up into the experience and, you know, getting a bad gun and then getting a little bit better gun and getting a few abilities and getting more, abilities, all of that onboarding tends to be, really a, a different kind of way into the experience that I, it tends to work better on me when I've played it naturally than just kind of leaping in anyway. So anyway, I, I, I anticipate my qualms will be pretty muted when the game finally releases, but it, it still is hard for me to look at this and not see the game that I an, anticipated it being, which is sort of Witcher with a cyberpunk skin. Totes. <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> anything else you guys want to say about about this thing? I mean, I think it's cool that they released the full thing. I think it's fun that people get to dig into it and really pick it apart and get get excited. Uh, I mean, the game does look gorgeous. Even being me being able to watch it again, all I had was my memory of it, and it was like you know my first meeting of the day on my second or third day of E three, and I was weary and heavy eyelids and just you know sandblasted from a day of <laughs> running around at e3 and so being able to sort of sit in my comfy chair in front of my computer and watch it at my leisure has been much better and i feel like i'm seeing more of it and, and appreciating more of it myself um so it, it's a very exciting game with a with just a huge amount of potential and i think the the fact that it has become uh, I think what they're saying, the most streamed premiere of a video game of all time. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. It beat out, had more, it drew more viewers than Fortnite's peak of 350K concurrent viewers. Um, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive. So everybody's excited about this and you can tell why. The YouTube video has surpassed uh, 4.7 million views, probably way more now uh, because I got this stat a few days ago. So uh you know, people are excited and, and as well they should be. Yeah, the one thing I was going to say, do do we think this is current gen or no way? I think there's a version of it that might be current gen, just like there's a version of Doom Infinite um, that is going to come out on Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what they were showing in that trailer and running on that computer at E3 was not, uh, you know, maybe a 1080 Ti or maybe two Ti's uh, running SLI and then a very narrow view, but... Th- I think that's a goal, right? That's not a reality of what... Don't expect that to be what the game looks like when it comes out, but it looks very impressive. I'm going to play it on PC, so I don't know. I'm going to play it on PC. So it's for me, it's current gen, I guess. <laughs> In the sense that my P- PC is constantly evolving. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, it does look very, very impressive. Uh, Christian, what about you? What's your story of the week? Um, I, there's a lot of fun stuff this week, but for me, I think the biggest news and the thing I, I want to get both of your opinions on, um, Aaron, especially you're seeing so much preview material for games, uh, in your time covering it for entertainment weekly, um, battlefield five release date has been delayed. Uh, some backstory, we had heard that it's pre-orders were underwhelming and that perhaps several games in that time frames, uh, pre-orders were, underwhelmed underwhelmed uh what's uh underwhelmed is the i can't do a dumb abbreviation good joke fail me um (laughs) had been underwhelming and red dead is kind of eating up that month and um you know the controversy about battlefield in terms of its premiere and release and everything about it so the dice has delayed it ea and dice have delayed it by one month almost exactly and they say they're going to take the feedback from the closed beta to heart. They're also going to now use the open beta more as a beta. It will give them time to implement some changes, perhaps, from the open beta that starts uh, next week or this week as we're recording, I think. Um, and also launch maybe with Tides of War being more uh, fleshed out. Originally, the game was going to come out and Tides of War kind of their big perpetual or the the showpiece kind of thing of that they were adding to the franchise this time i think initially was never going to launch alongside the game now they're going to try to do that so i think there are a lot of positives here but aaron do you think this is a get out of the way of red dead do you think this is we need to polish it more or you know what do, what do you think's happening here uh i mean i yeah i don't really have any insight just because i haven't um been no, doing anything. not for this game specifically <laughs> yeah. but generally uh, on your years of experience yeah um i i think probably both honestly like i think everyone wants to get out of the way of red dead it's going to be a juggernaut that you know i is probably going to crush everything else um but also i think you know like they say they're trying to you know make take some of those um critiques into play and i always feel like it's better to delay something and have it be uh, good than to release it and then just patch it when everyone already has a negative experience with it. Um, so yeah, I, I I think I think it's probably for the best to get it to give it a little breathing room and then yeah, like you said, maybe that they can get that new mode in and that can be like a big deal. I think this is all marketing. I I think really? any yes, I think they're giving lip service to being able to have some time and maybe they'll be able to use that time productively to to implement some tweaks and adjustments that they learned from the quote unquote beta. That's really a demo. I think this is a hundred percent, a hundred percent move out of the dead zone between call of duty and red dead redemption. Cause they're living in that week between those two games. Uh, they had been living there and it was dire. The, the analysts were predicting uh, the game was going to drop like 60% year to year. Uh, pre-orders had, had been woefully low. Uh, we were seeing some analysts saying it was, it was going to be a abysmal launch for Battlefield 5. So uh, I think they saw the writing on the wall and didn't want to get Titanfall 2'd <laughs> to turn that Do into Do you think a November 20th is better? Is that a safer, like right around Thanksgiving in the United States, people are already gearing up for their holiday shopping. Black Friday right around the corner as people wait to see Black Friday sales. Um, that used to be the date, dude. Like years ago, that was the that was the date. Like the right before Black Friday, right before uh, Thanksgiving was the big drop date. And then 
games just started coming earlier and earlier and earlier. And now we're like early October, late September is the day for Christmas. But that used to be, no, you know, late November was the drop zone for the big AAA stuff. And now not so much anymore. But I, I don't know if tw- November 20th is better for them calendar wise. I think it's 100% better for them you know, uh, in, industry-wise and moving out of the way of those big releases because Titanfall 2 stubbornly didn't do that. They didn't move that release date and they suffered. It was an, a phenomenal game that undersold, I think, primarily because it was just sandwiched in a weird place between two huge releases that got that gobbled up all the attention. And they were reading data that was telling them the exact same thing. I mean, we've I've been seeing uh, analysts talk about this for weeks that Battlefield 5 is not doing well uh hmm. pre-releases and uh projected sales and so i think this is 100 percent them you know trying to dodge that bullet and still get it out before christmas so hopefully it works for them because it looks like a really robust cool package and it'd be a shame to see a, a game like that you know suffer the fate that titanfall 2 did yeah i don't know it's it's tough uh toward the end of the year there too is um it's like it's there's not a good time i think anymore maybe there's still like one month in the summer <laughs> when something doesn't come out but it's like i know these are different consoles but smash ultimate is right around the corner um after that there's another game i think that is november as well as i was oh hitman 2 which i don't know if it will be a huge seller but it's a game that i'm very excited about that looks to be rumored about coming out around that same time also um, I really like Battlefield 4 and kind of how they told the stories, war campaign, single player stuff. And um, I, I think Battlefield 5 has some potential to it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. There's no way in which I can, you know, Wally West and live in an alternate reality for a little while or something and, <laughs> and see uh, and see what sales would have been had it stuck to its original release date. But I don't think this is going to save it is my, well, my, my worry was that it, you know, if call of duty does well and battlefield five does poorly, the wrong lesson will be learned, or at least from my perspective, the wrong lesson, who knows what I know, but from my perspective, the wrong lesson would be, Oh, single player is unnecessary. Hmm. <laughs> you know, if call of duty does well without single player mode, and Battlefield Five suffers with single player mode, then it seems like uh, there's a potential for them to go. Oh, well, why we? Why does any? Nobody wants it. Nobody wants it. But meanwhile, um, they're all getting out of the way of Red Dead, which is all single. Well, which not is all, not all, but primarily. largely a big chunk of that is single player. So I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm really, I'm really curious. Like, why do you guys think that it's having such a like bad buzz or bad pre-release? Uh, you know, uh, in front of it because like Battlefield One was quite a big success it was almost like a comeback it seemed like i agree yeah it was a huge success i my based on nothing outside two cents is that world war ii was a bad decision now world war one doesn't seem like a great decision and it worked well for battlefield one but it just felt i it felt a little me too with call of duty going back last year to world war ii and uh I, i don't know if i don't know if that was the right choice for them um but I think a lot of it has to do with this crowded field and everything coming on battlefield uh, and everything coming out in the same very tightly packed period and people only having so much money to spend on games and the pre-orders are being swallowed up by uh, the stalwarts, you know, the, and, and the anticipation of, of red dead, which seems like this game that is a, uh, you know, the 200 pound gorilla that's going to uh, demand everyone's attention. Yeah, in the chat, uh, G Saves pointed out God of War had a pretty good launch. 
Um, and Spider-Man is trending very well in terms of pre-orders. So the idea of the death of single player, you know, Tomb Raider and Assassin's Creed, I think there are still these large single player games that are sure. d- doing well. But I, I do understand your point, Jeff, where it's like if you're making this shooter, how important is it for you to have a, a robust single player campaign versus focusing on multiplayer right. or whatever the hot mode of the day is? Yeah, I'm not I'm not ringing the death knell for single player and and. I wouldn't want to. I, I'm certainly more excited for the Gods of Wars and, and Spider-Man's and Red Dead's of the world that focus a lot on that. I, that's the kind of experience I enjoy. I just think the more direct comparison is the Call of Duty to Battlefield. And like you said, the shooter who, whose life's blood is multiplayer, if you, get, you pull out a Call of Duty that's traditionally had a single player and all of a sudden doesn't, and it does better than the Battlefield Five, which hmm. is still clinging on to the single player, I think that lesson could be drawn. But I, I don't think that means that all games aren't going to have single player. I just mean it means that these two direct competitors who seem to be, you know, borrowing and, uh, sh- you know, uh, influencing one another with with content and, and bullet points on their boxes. Uh, I feel like that could be one of the one of the things that happens. Yeah. Well, uh, what about you? If you had to what's I know we'll probably talk about a couple of things, but of other things that have happened this week, what would you say that we haven't talked about yet is the thing that struck your fancy the most? Well, honestly, um, I'm kind of intrigued by uh, two things here that are both kind of throwbacks to the past, uh, one of which is Onimusha Warlord getting a remaster from Capcom. Uh, This was announced this week. It'll be coming for PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch. And it's coming in mid-January, so after the holiday season, but it's going to be priced at only $19.99. So 20 bucks gets you the old Onimusha Warlords, which is a game... I loved. Really? I loved. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. At the time, uh, 2001 on PS2. Are you kidding me? It was great. I loved that game. Uh, I was all into those Capcom Resident Evil likes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, they, they were they kind of created this this genre in and of themselves. Uh, and I loved the Resident Evil game so much that it was like, oh, Resident Evil, but Samurai. Yes, please. And, uh, you know, I found it very frustrating. I think it probably still is a frustrating game in a lot of ways. But uh, the new version will have uh, high, defi- high definition graphics, widespread, wide sp- <laughs> I can't speak today, widescreen display options, uh, analog support, an easy mode right from the start. So maybe some of those frustrations I remember from that game will be allevi- alleviated by having an easy mode which they didn't have before and a new soundtrack. So they're, they're doing some work on it. I think it's really just an up res, uh, but it's an interesting game to revisit, especially in light of samurai games kind of being back in vogue with uh, ghost of Tsushima and, and others. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to revisit this one. And I think the $20 price point is, you know, maybe worth some people discovering a game that I remember fondly. And I'll be interested to see if, uh, if it holds up. Uh, Dino Crisis play? or Get Out, man. Dino's <laughs> Dino Crisis. Get Out. The game was terrible. Oh, okay. the game was oh, terrible. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't. I know we have something fun to talk about later, but I'm leaving. This is the end of the show. It's been a fun. Dude, ride. Dino Crisis had an incredible concept that they did not do well. It was. Uh, it was the idea of Dino Crisis is awesome, but it was. It was not a great. I game. loved the first one. I thought the first one was great, but I was also in college, so whatever. <laughs> Did you play on Warlords? I don't think so. That's not the one with Jean Reno, is it? 
Uh, I think the sequel had. Jeff, let me find that. Okay. Uh, While you're looking, are you also going to say Darkstalkers is a crappy franchise, Jeff? Like, what else? What other? What other crap do you want to say while we're here? Darkstalkers? Oh, that's a, not exactly the same world. Other uh, but... Capcom games that are incredible that need to be remade: Darkstalkers, Dino Crisis, Animusha Three had Jean Reno. Animusha okay, Three, okay. Demon so Siege. That, that was the only one I played, um, and I thought it was decent. So I'm, I'm curious, but also, oh my god, Capcom! How many times can I buy your games over and over? Like, I feel like yeah. I have bought every Capcom game at least three times. I, I came this close to buying Okami HD today, and I was like, no, I have it on three other consoles. Like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, you're the reason why. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, we know we'll get at least one sale from this game. <laughs> Not to mention my 600 copies of Street Fighter in its various forms. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. don't get me started there. Uh, yeah, no, you're not wrong about Capcom digging back into the well. I mean, this is the company that, you know, would release Street Fighter uh, 2, Turbo Edition, Alpha, Omega, Special. But this one has <laughs> two different colored suits for Ryu. You know, it's, yeah, they're... It's nothing new for Capcom, but uh, I don't know. I, I have high hopes for that game. Uh, the other blast from the past that had uh, a new spark of life this week was Streets of Rage. Anybody remember Streets of Rage, the old brawler? Definitely. Own it Guess on what? 3DS, the re-release. It's, a, it's amazing. Yeah, man. Streets of Rage 4 has been announced. Uh, evidently, Streets of Rage 4 was being developed uh, back in the 90s, and it was never completed. Uh, now Streets of Rage 4 will be made. It's being made by uh, Dot Emu, and uh, it is all hand-drawn this time. It's going to be completely hand-animated. Looks really cool if you've had a chance to see the trailer. Uh, and it's going to be authentic to the old game. They're not trying to reimagine a Streets of Rage uh, as a, you know an action RPG or an open-world adventure game or anything else. They're making a brawler. They're making a 2D brawler. They're just making it look real pretty. They're using the uh, the old classic characters, Axel Stone and Blaze Fielding. You know, you you know your Axel Stone and your Blaze Fielding guys. You've been uh, thinking about what are Axel and Blaze doing these days? Well, we're gonna get finally get that question answered with uh, Streets of Rage Four. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, no real details on when this is gonna hit or when we can expect it or even what consoles it's gonna be on or anything. We just get this kind of cool hand drawn trailer and uh, streets of rage Four logo and we get some some brief moments of people being punched but uh, i'm excited what, what do you think aaron are you into streets of rage 4 oh i'm super into it i was a huge fan of the uh, original trilogy on genesis um my i didn't have a genesis when i was in high school but my best friend did so <laughs> i had a super right. nintendo he had a genesis so that was how we got, you know were able to play everything and um uh, it was a, such a great, you know, it, it was basically took uh, arcade brawlers and brought them home for like the first time. So I, I was super into that because, you know, you, you play TMNT or whatever at the arcade. And then it was like, oh, my God, I can play this at home now. And they just did a lot of really cool things. Amazing soundtracks, like legendary soundtrack. Uh, I hope that that's something that they keep with this new one. Uh, but yeah, it looks it looks great. Christian, did you have a chance to see this trailer? I think it looks really cool, like really uh, attractive looking game. Yeah, I like the approach they've taken to the art style and doing something new and bold with it. Um, I, I know some people wanted it to see more 
you know, look like the traditional games, but I like that they've they've updated it in a fun, cool way. It has kind of an anime vibe to it. I like the character intros when like big meaty on screen kind of doing a punch and then a pose or whatever. And then the little bit of gameplay that they showed looked really, really cool. If that um, illustration style works with smooth animation, I think it's going to be awesome. What I'm excited for is to see if they add anything new to the brawler genre. I love brawlers. If you listen to this show for years, you know, you've talked to, I've talked about Punisher and rebuying these old Capcom brawlers of, um, of old for, Genesis and Super Nintendo. I love the genre and I loved what uh, Castle Crashers added to it back in the Xbox 360 days. I thought Double Dragon Neon was a really cool take on the genre as well. But it's hard to do great at home because so much of what made it work in arcades were the cheap hits in one more quarter. <laughs> and at home, when you have unlimited lives, you know, it's not quite the same. And I think Streets of Rage handled that smartly back in the day, the little tweaks they added to the franchise, taking them from arcades to home and i'm curious now if they add some rpg leveling or um leaderboard scoring or or something to to make it kind of stand out but visually i thought it looked really really cool yeah i'm surprised we haven't seen more games at least in the indie scene pick up this mantle you you mentioned castle crashers that's what six seven years old probably older than that yeah 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 oh man I mean, a great game. And I think it proves that you don't need that one more quarter cheap hit thing to make it work because they figured out a way to make that game really challenging, really fun, great in co-op. I mean, Castle Crashers is a home run and really is that modern take on that classic genre. And, you know, I've talked about stuff like Way of the Passive Fist, which is a complete flipping on its head of the old brawler. That's a cool indie of late. But I don't know of, of... a ton more of them. And it feels like a, a really underserved genre that has a lot of potential that you could, I think, I think castle Cl- crashers proved that you could take some fresh ideas and apply them. You know, you, it added items and stores and, you know, sort of modern trappings to, to video games that we see now, but I think you can go even farther with it. And I'm surprised that no one has, because it seems like something that's, that's ripe for that, like, you know, brilliant indie take that we see in so many other genres. Yeah, there's certainly been some. Scott Pilgrim was an excellent one as well. River City Ransom Ransom franchise has kind of continued. Um, but yeah, a lot of them, they kind of stick to being this arcade pure kind of thing. And, and um, I know there are other examples that have added things, but I agree with you, Jeff. There's someone is going to pop it just right where you're like, Oh yeah, this is, it's like, we're seeing so much creativity in the Metroidvania air quote space. Right, I'd right. love to see some of that come to brawlers or maybe the, the secret sauce is a brawler combat in a Metroidvania or something. Well, but. I think w- w- it seems like the brawler is a perfect candidate for being a roguelike, right? Yep. It's a perfect candidate for that. How far down the street of rage can you get <laughs> before, you know, before your punching fists get, get used up? Uh, I think somebody needs to roguelike the 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 brawler i think that's a i don't know why that hasn't happened already although maybe the chat room will alert me to games that we're not thinking of that i've already done it or are, are great examples of this being done modern um but yeah man i all of us there's the if there's one shared video game memory we all have it's playing the simpsons or teeny uh, uh teenage mutant ninja turtles or x-men or you know all of those games everybody loved them and yes there have been modern versions of that but nobody has i think really 
reinvented it and, and applied what we see, like you said, Christian, with the Metroidvania, with the, the sort of Metroid Castlevania archetype, but done like Dead Cells is doing and countless others have, you know, or even Ori in the Blind Forest or, you know, many, many, many games take that old thing and really make it feel new. I don't know why nobody's done that for brawlers. Unless I'm not thinking of something, which is likely. You can email us at Jeff and Christian are wrong at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> wow, we, we should we really never check that. that email address. We should but... really get that email because that would be much more useful. People would remember that instead of DLC <laughs> feedback at gmail.com, which is the one we actually do have. You can write Jeff and Christian are wrong in the subject line, though. That's one you could do. I mean, people always do. That's the <laughs> most common. Uh, in fact, I have a I have a Gmail filter to just filter those out. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, one last uh, little news bit that I thought would be fun. We can't really go. Uh, I mean, there's so much cool news. We can't really. Uh, it's easy to ignore the fact that there was a Nintendo Direct this week. But uh, you know, you can't ignore the Nintendo Directs. Those are Nintendo's way of uh, talking about new things. And I happen to love the Nindies. Nintendo Direct because it's a you know it's a portmanteau which I love but also um, the Switch is the place as we will talk about later on in the show in the in the playlist uh, is a wonderful place to play all of these awesome independent games and there's been such a a huge number of them uh, available on that platform so, so many of high quality so many unmissable games that I think it's of note when Nintendo has another direct announcing more, including top of the list, Into the Breach, which is a game I liked very, very much. Played it on PC. It's coming to Switch. It's out. Hi- it's, it's come out. That's true. Uh, they announced it and released it the same day. So yeah, you can, I, think I you ran can over to where you were sitting and yelled, it's out right now. You did. You did. You said, Into the Breach. And I was like, oh, we're under attack. What's happening? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I was like, seeing Crispin's Day already? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was, just, <laughs> it was just Labor Day. Um <laughs> Love my Shakespeare jokes. Uh, and then the Hyperlight Drifter is coming to Switch, which is another great game that, that I didn't play enough of. Um, we had the game's creator on yeah, our show. I'm in uh, the same boat. I played I played en- enough that I want to buy it again. Yeah, it's such a great, great game and such a perfect, perfect platform for that game, as we have learned with these all these games like that. Aaron, it's not a Capcom game. Are you sure you need to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> multiply it? Although they did release it on a cartridge, like Capcom yeah. did with Street Fighter 2, and I wanted both of them very badly. So, <laughs> Some other uh, notable examples. Undertale, a game that uh, everybody loves, is coming September 18th. Uh, Wasteland 2, Director's Cut, September 13th. That's a big, big game. Uh, and then two of my favorite independent games ever, quite simply. Bastion, which is a game I won't shut up about anytime anybody breaks it up. Uh, I absolutely adore Bastion. Uh, it's and coming Jeff September 13th. still talking about Bastion. <laughs> Our hero tries to move on to the next section, but Jeff continues his praise of Bastion. It's pretty good. You got you to gotta be more gravelly than that. I was though. me trying. I'm already nasally. I was trying to be gravelly. <laughs> uh, and then Super Brother Sword and Sorcery EP. That's coming in October. Uh, both of those, two of my favorite independent games of all time. Uh, Super Brothers, I've already played mobile. I played it on my iPad. But uh, I think, of course, it would be great on Switch. Uh, Bastion, I might rebuy because that game is just so darn fun. Transistor, another um, super giant game, uh, is coming. Uh, any other notable games you guys see or are excited about? What do you, what do you, what I know, Aaron, that you have been playing a lot of uh, Switch games, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, just from the, the Nindies, I was going to say that if people aren't playing the Jackbox Party Pack games, they're so fantastic for when you have mm. friends over who aren't necessarily into video games because anyone can play them and they always end up being a total blast. So I would super recommend those. Do you think that the Switch will be a good good play? I mean, I, I don't even know if there already are some Jackbox games yeah, on Switch. Yeah, I think, I think they did release all of them, I think. Oh, uh, cool. Like in the last year. Uh, but they're all excellent. They all have like just the most random, stupid games that you can play with your cell phone, and it's really great. That is awesome. Uh, Dragon Marked for Death is coming. The Messenger, Light Fingers, uh, many, many more. They had a whole big list of them. Yeah, Messenger's out. It's one I need to play, but haven't found time for it. But it looks incredible. It looks absolutely incredible. Kind of a Metroidvania meets original or NES Ninja Gaiden. It looks really, really cool. <laughs> Uh, Christian, you are like Mr. Switch all these days. It's like your favorite thing in the world. Uh, I mean, this just, there's just, everything should be out on it, right? Everything. I, I'll take everything on it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. uh, it's, it's a great little system. I love it. I love it to death. I think that of these bastions, a pickup sword and so- super brother, sword and sorcery and uh, the messenger, which I know is out already, but I just haven't had time for are all ones that I am very, very interested in. Cool. All right. Well, let's get on uh, to talking about uh, the Spider-Man and, uh, and other games. But first, uh, if you're excited about the games coming up, I'm sure you are. I would suggest getting some sleep now because, you know, we got the Spider-Man, we got the Tomb Raiders. Uh, and it's just going to be boom, boom, boom all the way through October and November. Uh, you're going to have the, the Red Deads. You're going to have your, your shooter varieties. Uh, everything's coming out. It's all happening. Sleep now while you can. And our sponsor, Casper, is going to help. You should prepare. Get prepared. Has, have you updated your mattress? Are you ready? If not, you better do that. You should update your mattress and get and get prepared because you're not going to – Do you're I gonna have do that precious... by downloading a firmware update? How do I update my mattress? In is a that... way, in a way, depending on how firm you want your mattress, in a way, you might be doing a firmware. Better yet, visit our sponsor, Casper, Casper Products are cleverly designed to mimic the human curve. Uh, They give you a better night's sleep. They make all kinds of products to help you get your best night of sleep. And you're going to want that. You're going to have very few hours. If you're like me, uh, when great games come out, your sleep suffers because there's no other place to put gaming hours. So when I get into bed, I want my, my, my sleep to be good. That's why I'm so glad that Casper has sponsored our show. Uh, When I got my Casper mattress, it was really cool. It came in this like little cylinder and then I had, it came with this little tool and I sl- sliced open the little cylinder and it like unfolded like magic in front of me. It was pretty amazing. And there, there are many reasons why your Casper mattress should replace the mattress that you have. Most likely, if you're like me, uh, your mattress is, needs a, needs a replacement. <laughs> it's probably uh, been around longer than it should be. And you're probably waking up with aches and pains if you're like me. Uh, and Casper offers Two mattresses beyond their classic. They offer the Wave and the Essential. So they got different price points. They got different features. Uh, the Wave is a, a premium support system that mirrors the natural shape of your body. And the Essential is a streamlined design a streamlined design that has a, a price point that won't keep you up at night, they say. Uh, and so these affordable prices happen because Casper cuts out the middleman. They don't have a big store that you need to go into. They don't have pushy salespeople. It's great. Plus, they give you 100 nights to sleep on your Casper mattress to make sure you like it. You don't have to worry about just 
making a quick decision, you got 100 nights. Check it out. Sleep on it. Make sure you like it. And you probably will because there are over 20,000 reviews with an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google. Casper is one of the internet's favorite mattresses. It's uh, People love it. And, uh, you know, they got hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. Uh, they're delivered right to your door. There's free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. It's easy. If you don't like it within 100 nights, they'll come to your house and pick it up. So check this out. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash DLC and using promo code DLC at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Upgrade your sleep. Get ready. Get ready. The games are coming. The deluge is upon us. Now, normally on the show during the playlist, I, I play the role of good host and I ask our guest to talk about their playlist first. And then uh, I ask Christian to go second. But this week, I am not going to do that because I'm not going to bury the lead. Uh, I want to talk about Spider-Man. I want to talk about the amazing Spider-Man. Um, I have a lot to say. <laughs> First, I should say, if you know me, chances are you know that I am a Marvel zombie from way back. Uh, I grew up reading Marvel comics. I was compulsive about it. Uh, I read all comics. I read a lot of DC as well, but nothing quite like my love of Marvel comics. I really did. Uh, I have an attachment to those characters and Spider-Man in particular because – Spider-Man was me, you know, he was a nerdy kid who liked to learn and liked science and then got superpowers. I mean, it was the wish fulfillment uh, for me. And so I related to him very much. I loved him. He, he I mean, I, I have more Spider-Man comics than anybody. Um, and so it is with that caveat, I will say I'm fairly confident that for me, this is the best superhero video game of all time. Uh, it would wow. not exist. It would not exist without the Batman Arkham games. It, it relies heavily on the innovations those games brought to the genre. So, you know, it, it certainly owes a great debt to those games, but I think it surpassed for me, it surpasses those games on every level. Um, and there are a number of reasons why chief among them is, and this, again, this is my personal taste, my personal flavor of superheroism. <laughs> it is a game about hope and positivity and doing good. And not only as a superhero genre, but just video games in general. It is so hard for me to find that many video games where that's the theme, that you are a person who wants to do good and and wants to help people and do positive things. And it's, it's a game where you are cleaning up the environment and worried about the environment where you're, you work in a soup kitchen in the game. Like you, you are making the world a better place in this video game constantly. Like that is always the concern of this character. It's not an anti-hero. It's, it's not a person who has, deep flaws. It's not dark. It's not gritty. It's Spider-Man. It is hopeful and sunny and positive. And you're swinging around this bright, colorful New York city. Yes. The, there are day night cycles. Yes. It gets cool and awesome at night. Yes. There are even times when the city gets kind of dark 
And there are the things change in the city over the course of the game. There are moments where there's elements, rain and darkness and fog. And yeah, it's not always bright and sunny, but there's a lot of times when you're just living that wonderful, positive wish fulfillment of just web slinging through New York City as the sun reflects off your costume. And that just alone is euphoric. It is so good. They nailed web slinging. They nailed it. It could not be better, in my opinion. It is just joyful to traverse the city. You open up uh, some some uh, fast travel at a certain point, and I've used it a few times to get very far across the city. But for the most part, I don't because it's just really fun to swing. You have momentum on your swings. First of all, the most important thing is your webs only work if there's something to hit. So if you're swinging through, you know, skyscrapers, you can always hit skyscrapers with your webs. But if you, you know, go through Central Park and there are no more skyscrapers, you can't swing. You have to go lower and hit trees or something. Uh, So it's cool because it feels like you're actually doing something. It's not this fake like, well, it's just going up into the air and it works. They really, it really is physically tied to the to the world, to the geometry of the world, which is, I think, super important. And swinging is only one of the myriad ways Spider Man has to get through the city. But you have momentum when you swing. So if you let go or push jump at the sort of, I don't know, I don't know my math terms, the fulcrum crux, the 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 sort of end point of the uh, the swing, you can jettison forward faster. And if you wait all the way to the top of your swing, you can go higher. So if you're trying to get higher to, to raise your elevation, to get higher to the top of skyscrapers, you can do that, or you can go farther faster, but you also have the ability to shoot your webs forward. You get some traversal elements through skill enhancements that let you do other cool ways of like bouncing off the tops of buildings and doing really, really fun things. It is just thrilling and joyful to move through the city and the arkham games managed to find cool ways for batman to use his grappling hook and his glider to get around uh, especially in the later games you're really moving far with with him and and launching yourself and stuff this feels like that on speed <laughs> it is he is much more agile spider-man he is much quicker he is much more, he's able to run up the sides of buildings and run along buildings. And it is that one element alone would be worth buying this game for. It is just so fun. And you do so much of it. And so many of the quest types value that and require that you're doing chases, you're doing uh, all kinds of different things with the web slinging that are fun. It's just fun. It's fun to move through the city as Spider-Man. So that right off the top, great. Then I think this game really does uh, open world in a more classic way. I mean, we saw just God of War just this year, a game that I raved about as well, that I think understood that with uh, one take on improving open world is to do sort of less is more, to streamline, to cut away the fat, to make every open world mission seem vital and essential and meaty and interesting and not have 500 of the same, you know, collect this or do that missions peppered through the city. Like we've seen historically with open world games, you know, you think you're, you're Assassin's Creed's of the world. 
Uh, and instead, in God of War, we saw you know fewer quests, but they were longer and deeper and and felt more meaningful. And I I really lauded the game for that because I think that's a great way to make open world feel less like busy work. Spider-Man is a throwback to the old kind of open world where you have this giant map of, of Manhattan and, and it's a really cool version of Manhattan. I should say, I mean, it is, it feels authentic. It it has tons of details, tons of the landmarks you would expect. It feels like, I mean, I don't live in New York, Aaron, I can't wait to hear what you think of it, but, uh, (laughs) It, it it feels one to one. I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure it's compressed in lots of ways, but it feels like it's got every section. Uh, it's got all five boroughs. It's you know it's it's like the it's it's it feels huge and full of all the things that I remember from from New York. But also, it's Marvel's New York. So there's I don't want to spoil anything, but there's Marvel stuff that you would expect to find too. Uh, anyway, so. Peppered throughout that are dozens and dozens and dozens on your map of things to do and new things open up as you progress through the game, new mission types, and they'll be just littered throughout the world. These tons of mission types, emergent crimes that you need to stop or you don't need to. It's optional. All of it's optional except the main storyline. But uh, there is a big, robust currency system, different quest types give you different kinds of currency for completing them. And all of them have optional uh, um, objectives that you can, that'll give you extra currency for completing them. So for example, if there's a crime happening, it'll come up on your map and if there'll be, it'll be like, Hey, you know, do it by uh, web webbing to the wall, three enemies or, you know, throw five enemies in the air or, you know, some stipulation that'll give you bonus currency. And then all those currencies are usable to upgrade your your weapons, to have new gadgets, not weapons. Weapons is not what Spider-Man uses. Gadgets is what he uses. Upgrade your gadgets or buy new suits, buy new Spider-Man outfits, which I'll get to in a second. But um, so there's lots of reasons to do all these things. But even better than that, because the traversal is so darn fun – the way I found myself playing this game is I would need to go to a place. So I'd be swinging along, popping through the city, running up walls, leaping, just joyfully swinging through the city and find myself in the vicinity of something cool to do or finish a mission. And the mission invariably took me through the city in unique, interesting areas and ended me in a spot that wasn't where I started. And then I'd find new things happening around me. And I just sort of bop from thing to thing, following the whim of what looked interesting on my map or what drew my attention, almost like how people play Skyrim sometimes, where it's just like everything is fun. And I, I just love moving through the city and there's just always new stuff to do around me. Yes, some of it gets repetitive. Yes, some of the mission types can be a little goofy. I will admit, and maybe that's one of the gripes that I might have is some of it can be, I mean, there's, there's a whole, I, I found myself chasing pigeons for like three hours. There's a, <laughs> there's a whole mission structure where you're chasing pigeons and f- collecting pigeons. It's like, okay, but it's fun. It's not, not fun. It's just a little goofy. And a lot of the, the quests are awesome. And some of the side quests are super awesome. There's, uh, I highly recommend people do the tombstone side quest as soon as possible because it is has an awesome ending. Um, and the, the black cat ones I've, I found really fun. 
so it is a throwback to that old style where it's just like overwhelming number of things to do on, on your screen at all times. But I also found that to be sort of thematic to Spider-Man because that's kind of his jam, right? Is that, oh my God, he's not Superman, right? He doesn't move at the speed of light. He can't get it all done. He's always overwhelmed. He's always late for stuff. He's always got, you know, Aunt May calling on one line and 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 needing to, you know, turn in his schoolwork and fight crime all at once. That's sort of his what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man? And I love that the game made me, the player, feel like that too, where it's like I'm being pushed and pulled in lots of different directions and I, I'm always underwater. And, and there's something really cool about that and fun. It never felt like it feels with Assassin's Creed where it's like, ugh, I can't even do all this stuff. Or I don't want to do all this stuff. It m- more felt like I have the opportunity to always be engaged. Why is that? Why, why the distinction between the two? If you're constantly... Um, <clears throat> and having not played it, but like chasing pigeons kind of reminds me of chasing, uh, balloons from Spider-Man two, which also had, especially at, for the time, incredible movement and swinging, uh, throughout the city back in the day. And then maybe cause there's not tons of them. So it's not quite as repetitious, but why do you, th- is it just your love for the character or is there something about the mission or side mission structure that makes them more fun and engaging than they were for you in, um, Assassin's Creed Origins, Odyssey, whatever the last one was. Well, you know, I think th- I think a lot of it comes down to how fun it is to move through the city and how fast you can do it. And I, I think, you know, you hop on a horse or something in an Assassin's Creed game and you're galloping to the next thing. And yeah, you can be your eagle and check things out and you can auto run your horse to the next objective. And, you know, I, that all works. I'm not criticizing those games for that, but it's not, it doesn't feel as fun and joyous as this, just getting around. And so when I'm, you know, having to chase a pigeon by swinging through the, the, the city uh, skyscrapers, swinging along, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. And, and there are enough different kinds of missions. There's a whole bunch. There are, you know, take down uh, crimes that are happening. And those crimes can be a whole bunch of different things from just people like breaking into a bank or a knocking over a liquor store to uh, a high-speed chase that you jump onto the back of a car as it's running down the street to uh, rooftop fights to uh, any number of things. And they're all dynamic. I mean, there's a, there's a set number of them and they're designed. So it's not procedural, but it is dynamic in which ones appear on your map at which times. And that, and then there's like, I don't know, guys, honestly, there are probably 20 different mission types in your menu, 20 different icons of missions. It may not be as many as 20, but it, it, if it isn't, it's close. It's a lot. And there are, there are crime buildings to take down that you can take down through stealth. And the stealth in this game is really fun. Uh, there are um, science missions that you can do. And okay, so I haven't even gotten to that part. The best thing about this game, the best thing about this game The best thing about this game is that it gets Peter Parker right. Spider-Man, it gets right. But Peter Parker, it gets right. And no one has ever done that. No one has ever done that. No one has ever even ever tried to do that. Peter Parker is a scientist. He's a scientist. He's a genius nerd scientist kid. And this game, 
lets you play as that. You get to swing around the city and fight crimes and punch a lot of dudes in the face, shoot webs at them, do all kinds of cool gadgety stuff, fight supervillains. And also some of the most fun I had in this game was going into a laboratory with Peter Parker and doing optional science missions, optional uh, mini games that are just really brilliant, all puzzle-based, brilliant games that I've never seen before in, in a game like this. Uh, where you're like using a, a spectrograph and lining up these little puzzles, little brain teaser puzzle things. I would I spent four hours one night just like doing all of them. I didn't even want to go do Spider-Man stuff. I just wanted to do all those. It was, it, it's so great. And it's so great to emphasize that, to make this about this guy who loves science and wants to do science. It, the storyline is all about that. Uh, there's tons of Peter Parker wanting to do good in the world, not as Spider-Man, as Peter Parker, which is so great. I've never seen any – the movies don't even do that. Uh, it's it's That is, I think, my biggest love letter to Brian Intihar and that team is thank you for understanding Peter Parker because none of the games have tried to do that. None of the movies even really try to do that, and it's it is amazing. Spectacular web of. Um, the other thing, okay, the, I, I'm not going to spoil any story moments, but I will say, and I'm, I, I really don't think this is hyperbole. I really don't. I think this story is better than Homecoming. <laughs> if this was the movie, if this was the movie story, shot just like this, acted just like this, I would have been like, this Marvel knocked it out of the park with this Spider-Man movie. It, it, it is a, it is a phenomenal spider-man story and one of my favorite things about what they did is we're at this place with video games where you cast a video game that you know growing up and and with so many video games even as recently as just a few years ago it was like you know stock video game character a and stock video game character b there was like the the, you know, tall, dark and handsome, you know, scruffy uh, faced lead character male voiced by Nolan North. And then there was the like big boobed, uh, tardy, you know, uh, offensive <laughs> female character. And, and there also was like vid- voiced by Nolan North. Also weirdly voiced by Troy Baker. It was and, and named Blaze Fielding. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Axel. What is his name? Axel whatever in Blaze Fielding. Yes. Yes, that's exactly a perfect Axel Stone and Blaze Fielding. That is that's what video games were, right? They were these caricatures. They were and even when we were getting into really awesome cutscenes and stuff, it was still cartoon. It was still comic book, which is which is an odd thing to say. It's it like old school, badly uh, realized characters, these stock characters. But now we're in this place where video games are cast and sort of we moved from this place where you know, it was the stock characters and, and, and two-dimensional and almost offensive and just like overwrought and, and bad. And then we got into like, oh, well, we can make almost realistic looking people. So let's cast uh, Kevin Spacey in a Call of Duty game or let's cast these recognizable actors. And that's kind of fun, too. Uh, you know, the quantum quantum breaks of the world, right, where it's like all these Hollywood actors. 
What Spider-Man does is something even better, I think. And that is, this is a version of Spider-Man that is cast, that looks like real people, that doesn't look like Hollywood actors, and doesn't look like the comic book versions of the characters. It is its own thing. And you guys will see this when you when you play the game, or maybe there is even some footage of, of some of these characters. But when you see Aunt May for the first time, it's such an interesting version of her. It is such an interesting version of, of Mary Jane Watson. It's a, such a fascinating version of Dr. Otto Octavius. Like, none of these people would be in the Marvel, AAA, big-budget Hollywood, spectacular, big-screen version. You'd get your big Hollywood actors, you know? But they are in this in this video game version, which is as high quality and as well acted. It feels like a more realistic human telling of these stories with really grounded, offbeat, quirky takes on the character. Like Mary Jane doesn't look like a uh, you know a, a Hollywood star. She looks like a, a real girl who could do awesome stuff. She's She's attractive and cute and fun, but she's like real. And everyone feels like that. It's a really wonderful way of telling this story. It really is. It's so different. And I applaud the team for going with a lot of these choices because they're not what you would expect. They're not. It's it's kind of reminds me of the Injustice, uh, Injustice 2 um video game where, you know, it, like you can tell that they model it after like real people to play the, the superheroes or the, you know, the villains, the DC characters, but they're not exactly what you would expect. You know, you know what I'm talking about guys? No, I just hate you. No? Cause I can't believe I can't play it yet. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I know I'm ranting. I know I'm ranting, but uh, I, and I want I want you to ask questions or or not or tell me to shut up when I'm going too far. Oh, I, I, don't I was going to ask anything. like a super jerk question. Sure, super didn't jerk you... is is not in the game. <laughs> didn't you hate uh, Sunset Overdrive? I did, and I'm did. really curious, like what you hated. I loved that game. I thought it was so fantastic. Um, the gameplay more than the story. The story I wasn't super into because it was kind of obnoxious. Um, but I yes, thought all that's what the I hated gameplay stuff was there. But like all the gameplay stuff was there. So I'm really curious, like how they went from Sunset to Spider Man because everyone's like, oh, of course, Insomniac is doing this because right. Sunset Overdrive like basically established a lot of this like movement and stuff. So I was just yeah. curious, like what, yeah, what your take on that I- was. I did think that the movement and and gameplay stuff in Sunset was fun and was well done. And I liked getting around that city in in a lot of ways. This is just head and shoulders above that. I mean, it it, it feels like such a maturization from from that moment. I mean, the the story is what off put me so much from from Sunset Overdrive. I and and honestly, some of the gameplay stuff felt a little repetitive. I don't know. Again, Marvel Zombie from way back. I I I they're you know probably 75% of the way there just like delivering a great version of this character. So I'm, I'm not impartial when it comes to Spider-Man, but I also hold Spider-Man to a really high standard. So, you know, if, if you mess up Spider-Man, I'd probably be upset. Right. So it's a double-edged sword, but I, you know, uh, I, I just think it is so much better than Sunset Overdrive was in every respect. It really is. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sunset Overdrive. So <laughs> yeah. 
the other thing about the story is they do a really lovely slow burn on a lot of the characters. There are characters you meet and right away, because you know Spider-Man lore, you know where it's headed. And yet the game is really patient and really deliberate and really methodical and it's beautifully paced. It doesn't feel like they're just stringing you along. It doesn't feel like uh, it's like, okay, I know where this is going. Get on with it. It really feels like they're loading these characters up with a lot of information and stakes and emotional investment that then pays off when the thing we know is going to happen eventually happens. Uh, so I, I really think that the game is paced beautifully. It is, it's, it's a, it's a very well told story and it gives a lot of time to characters that have been written off in previous games. I mean, Mary Jane gets a lot of wonderful things to do. Uh, and, and she is important. And a lot of the game's themes are, Hey, Spider-Man, uh, I don't need saving, you know, I'm, I'm a fully realized person. You don't have to, uh, infantilize me. You know, it, it is, it is, uh, she's great. Her arc is great. What you get to do with her is great. Uh, and I, and I love so much of the characterization that happens in this game, so much of, of the messaging that happens in this game, the action sequences, as you've seen probably from E3 presentations and, and other things, uh, you've just seen a, a, you know, scratch the surface of what the game has, but they're better than a lot of the stuff in the homecoming from, for my money. And the homecoming is a movie I liked a lot. Uh, and, and they do an awesome thing too with the story in that it's not an origin, and it is also not it, – it, it's as if Spider-Man's been doing this a long time. He's been doing this for years. And there's a lot of backstory. And how they convey that backstory is really cool. Like he's constantly referencing things that happened in the past and, and stuff that all happens off screen. It happened you know, as backstory. You know, He's fought some of these villains before. He's had re- a relationship with MJ in the past. There's like there's stuff that – is loaded and you can do that with a Spider-Man character because we know so much about him. It, it all makes sense. It all works. And there are a lot of quiet moments and sweet moments. And I mean, so much is done right in just the writing of this game. It's a beautifully written game. It's a beautifully performed game. Uh, it, it really, I think, you know, God of War, I think pushed narrative forward in, in, in its own way. But again, it was this redemption tale. It was this sort of dark, unlikable protagonist. It was this uh, grizzled, hardened person kind of finding his heart. Here we have a kid whose heart is on his sleeve the whole time. And it's just trying to do good and make, make the world a better place. You just don't see that in video games. You really don't. Um, now I do need to talk. One of the gripes that I have with the game though is I have a few gripes. One of my gripes is, one of the major uh, impetuses, as I've as I've outlined with the uh, reward system, with the with the currency system, is to unlock new costumes. And there's nothing I love more than a costume in my superheroes. I was very excited, and I was buying up costumes as soon as I had afforded them. Uh, you unlock costumes as you move through the game, and there are I don't know, twenty five, thirty costumes in the game, all for Spider Man. And I would say the first fifteen. I wouldn't just say I counted. The first 15 are doofy. 
doofy. <laughs> Very frustrating. They all they all have cool powers. So the cool thing about this game is that uh, a suit comes with a a an ability that ge- it gives you an ability your your focus ability uh, that you you build up focus by getting combos and then you can unleash that focus ability. And very, very smartly, they realized that you need to be able to decouple the power with the look of the suit. So you unlock a new suit that comes with a power, but then you can keep that power and use a different suit. So you can look however you want with any power you want, which thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. Because I would have hated playing this game in one of those doofy costumes from the beginning, but I did like some of the powers that they gave me. I stuck with the original costume uh, you don't start the game with the original costume. You have to buy it. But I bought the original costume, the classic Spider-Man costume, and I played the game, 90% of the game with it because I just wanted to see all the cutscenes with classic Spidey. You know, you get some really cool costumes toward the end and some ones that you recognize from other versions of Spider-Man. But boy, it takes a long time for those ones to open up. And most of the costumes you learn earn at the beginning of the game are really doofy, really, really not cool. So that's one of the... the uh, criticisms the other one is there are a lot for a game that is open world and seamless as this game is there are a lot of uh loading screens and i know i'm spoiled because there are a lot of games that just mask the loading screens god of war did, did that like there was loading in, in god of war they just masked it really really well but it has an effect on my experience of playing that game and I wish that I hadn't sit and watch so many loading screens in Spider-Man. It has more than I would like, and they come up at at odd times. And uh, it's a minor gripe because, for the most part, it's a big open world where you're doing a bit of open world stuff. But there are a number of times where it will go to a loading screen, uh, and it's a little annoying, a little frustrating. So uh, those are really my, my only gripes with the game. Uh, there, are, there are tons of flavor. There are tons of deep lore characters. Uh, there are surprises that happened. Um, I will say definitely do three of the challenge missions as soon as you can, because the third one, after the third one, something fun happens. Um, there is a running, it's, it's a really cool version of the world where J. Jonah Jameson and the Daily Bugle have I guess gone out of business because newspapers don't exist in in the real world anymore either. So they're like, well, we can't have him working on a newspaper. But J. Jonah Jameson now has a podcast, <laughs> so you're constantly listening to J. Jonah Jameson's podcast, which is so perfect because a blowhard like J. Jonah Jameson would totally have a podcast. Says the guy who has podcasts, but he he would totally have this like you know. Uh, talk radio style podcast. And that's what you, you, and so all the stuff you do in the game, you get to hear Jay Jonah's like reaction to it, which is great. And the voice actor is wonderful who does it. Um, There's just so much to like about this game. And I haven't even mentioned the combat system yet, which is wonderful. I mean, it is very Arkham, you know, but that's works great. And you unlock really cool powers. You, you feel like a maestro of spider mania because you know, you're constantly slinging yourself all across the battlefield, webbing people, yanking them, yanking you, pulling things, jumping, swinging, kicking, punching. Uh, and, you know, the a lot of the challenges are wild and have you vastly outnumbered. You're t- taking down dozens and dozens of guys, which is really, really fun because, you know, you're bopping between them and you're using all of your different moves and you have so many at your disposal. And 
I was never, I never felt like I was button mashing. I knew exactly the move I wanted to accomplish and I would do that exact move. And it was challenging. I mean, I was, I was often overwhelmed and having to change up my fight styles to, to different enemies. And the stealth system is really cool. There's a lot of stealth and the stealth system definitely borrows from Batman as well. I mean, you're, you're above people and you shoot them with webs and then you hang them up just like Batman would do with enemies. So there's a lot of that borrowed as well, but it works great because you can move around the, the environment so quickly uh, with your webs and you can stick to any surface and you're, you're constantly um, able to perform all the moves that Spider-Man does. I mean, this game really mines every area of Spider-Man lore. It, it mines all of his, his relationships with people, all of his, uh, his vast um, uh, enemies, or what, what is the, his rogues gallery? Uh, and it mines all of his movement. All, he moves like Spider-Man should move. He crawls like Spider-Man should crawl. He does things that, all the things that you would expect from Spider-Man, and he has reason to do all of them. So it's a, I mean, it's a, this game is a home run. It is, it is, I couldn't ask for more. It really is so great. And there's so much to do. And it's one of those games where I want to do all of it. So I noticed when you started talking, you uh, threw a caveat and you said it's one of the best superhero games you've played, not one of the best games you've played. And I'm curious what the distinction is in your head between those two things and, and maybe what holds it back from, uh, you know, usurping. Like, what would your, you know, tweet for Spider-Man be versus God of War? Like, how, how do the two <laughs> relate? Because we are going to have to compare them at the end of the year. Yeah, we will. No, I, I, I didn't mean that to be an indictment of it in relation to other video games. I think it's a great video game. I was just saying, for me, it's my favorite superhero game ever. Uh, and there are, there are you know, several excellent superhero games, but it is one of those genres that has a lot of bad in it too. I just think, for me, it delivers on what I wanted out of this character, a character I know and love, in every respect. Um, and... It makes me feel like that character. It gives me information about that character. It makes me live in the universe of that character. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't about it being uh, you know the best superhero game and not video game. I still think God of War is a grander achievement. Um, it, God of War feels like a more bold step forward for video games as a medium than than Spider Man does. Spider Man really is an old school open world game just done really, really well. And God of War felt like it was breaking the mold and like moving video games forward for me. Um, so I, I think I still rank God of War a little higher as an achievement, but as far as, you know, giving me some, a character I love, I never felt any particular affection to Kratos. God of War made me feel an affection and that's an achievement in and of itself. But, um, you know, this is letting me be a character that I love in just the best possible way. It is so fun and so well thought out. And all of the little things, all of the tiny touches that make games sing, how he moves, how he goes through a, a you know, how he flings himself across a, a room or through a window or, you know, there's a, there's a, a tiny little thing like where at one point, um, someone tosses him a phone and he like shoots his web and grabs the phone. It's like, he didn't need to do that, but he does it. And, and there's things like that throughout the game, how you move, how cutscenes play out. 
it all is so beautifully realized all with this like affection for who Spider-Man is and how Spider-Man behaves, you know, in what we know about him and, and, and that fantasy of, of the, that ability set, you know? Yeah. Last two questions that I have for it. Um, having not had time with it since E3, I'd be curious to get your take on it as an open world, keeping it to another Sony exclusive horizon zero dawn and kind of mm. how it too felt like it had perfected an old school version of an open world game. Um, right. it, and didn't do anything necessarily groundbreaking in that regard, but did it so well. I'm curious how you would compare those two open worlds. And then my last one would be, um, without spoiling the bosses per se, um, your experience with boss battles. Cause if I remember correctly, that was one point from the E3 demo that, you know, it wasn't the showstopper, right? Everything else about that E3 demo was right. incredible. The boss fight was probably the, our, our least fun moment from that demo. And I'm curious how that played out throughout the course of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And that E3 demo of people don't know is the shocker. And I believe he's the first, uh, well, I guess technically second boss that you fight. I mean, he's very early in the game. And I, my criticism from the shocker fight from E3, I think stands through the whole game. And that is all of the boss fights are kind of how boss fights are in video games, which is there's a way to beat it, mm. right? There's a way to defeat this enemy and you need to do it that way. Right. Uh, and that is not my ideal situation. My ideal situation is God of War, where it's like, oh, you have your entire moveset, and there are things this boss does that are different than other characters, but most likely you're going to need to know how your moves work and what your loadout is and how you want to do this in order to beat this boss. And, and, you know, God of War switched things up and forced you into certain kind of playstyles with certain bosses, but there wasn't like a, well, now you need to use the environment here to do this because he's invulnerable until you do X, you know, like Mm -hmm. this game relies on that a lot. And it's an old school approach, right? That's how bosses have been in video games for a long time where the boss has a very specific weakness and you have to do it this way. That said, the boss fights are thrilling and fun. Um, I wish I could tell you about some of them. (laughs) I don't want to spoil them, but I will say, (laughs) yeah, I will say, uh, the, the the concept of what you're doing in some of them is just so cool. It's just so cool. So uh, th- they win on points there. Like the shocker one is the most sort of banal of them. Um, but there are some really cool conceptually uh, boss fights uh, late later in the game too that are that are pretty neat. Um, but yeah, I mean, I from for my money, I, I think the most fun I'm having combat wise is the is is like taking down one of the optional uh, uh, bad guy layers. You know, you you go into like a warehouse or something, and there's like six waves of dudes, and there'd be like I don't know, fifteen or twenty dudes per wave, and you have to survive six waves in order to clear out the warehouse, and they get obviously more powerful types of enemies later on in the waves and that's just so fun it's so fun because you're just zipping around doing all kinds of things using your spider gadgets webbing up dudes throwing them around you know using the environment grabbing something from the wall pulling it off swinging it around smacking a guy jumping up swinging kicking them charging up your super meter until you can do finishing moves on them it's just 
it's a blast. It is, it, I mean, it's very Batman-y, but it is a blast. You can maintain that high combo meter and, you know, it's, it's all that stuff. Uh, and you're getting your, you know, Batman was cool because you, you saw a little indicator on the bad guy when they were about to hit you, you know, so you could try to block or dodge. Uh, Spider-Man has that built into his fiction, right? He's got Spidey sense. So it just makes sense that you get your Spidey sense goes off when someone's about to shoot you or attack you and you can dodge or block or do whatever you're going to do. Um, so it, it all makes sense and it all works really, really well. The, and the boss fights are fun because of what you're doing, right? The, the idea of what you're doing and who you're fighting, um, less so than like your level of improvisational, combat fun you know which i i always enjoy that more that feeling of like i'm figuring this out as i go and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that or Ooh, wouldn't it be cool if i did that and i just do it uh with boss fights it's like no there's a you have to unlock how to do this mm-hmm. yeah. anyway i think this game is gonna I, I can't imagine anyone not liking it i i just think it is such a crowd-pleasing game and i can't overstate enough tonally how different it is than almost anything out there. I mean, I can't think, maybe you guys can, I can't think of another game tonally that's literally about making the world better. Like that's that's the entire concept of this game is everything he does is to try to improve the world. He's, you know, there, there are uh, huge side missions about cleaning up the environment and improving New York City. There's... Uh, like I said, you know, he's like working in a soup kitchen, helping the homeless, making, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool and, and sort of socially conscious, but not in a heavy handed way, more in a like great fiction and, and a, a, a wonderful world that you want to live in. It, it's, it's an achievement, man. This game is great. Uh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I'm, I'm almost ready to cancel my LA trip so I can play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's not short, you know. There's there's lots to do. Like I said, there's it's one of those rare games that I want to do everything, and uh, I have done. I've spent a lot of time doing side missions and optional stuff, um, but the the main storyline is not short. It's not short. It's I don't know how long it is because, like I said, I've spent countless hours doing <laughs> other things, or I'll do a, a main mission. Oh, the other thing it does is. Interestingly, is it, you'll finish a main mission and he'll be like, man, that was crazy. Uh, God, you know, I need some time. What better way to blow off some steam than to patrol the city a little bit? And then it'll like not let you progress in the main story until you've done a couple of side things. It makes you kind of just like live in the city for a little while. I just think that's kind of rad that it incentivizes you, you know, figuring out ways, upgrading your abilities and getting XP um, that way. I think that's kind of smart. All right, so I've talked uh, a lot, uh, but I will talk a little more and thank our second sponsor, which is Third Love. Talking about uh, things that I, I'm pleasantly surprised by or that I, I, you know, I'm delighted. I, I've said this every time that Third Love has sponsored us, and that is I, I just love the fact that Third Love wants to sponsor this video game show because um, this is a, a product specifically for women. It's a, it's a brassiere company. Uh, and it is a great brassiere company. It's one my wife has uh, has fallen in love with. Third Love makes bras that fit perfectly. Uh, and, you know, you'd think a video game show might not have uh, the target audience for this company, but 
that's what makes me so happy is that we do. We do. We have female listeners. We have men who uh, appreciate them. And I would say this is a, a, a product that you want to perk up your ears about because uh, my wife has fallen in love with her third love bra, as I said. Um, the, the idea of uh, getting a bra sized is something I was not aware of. <laughs> I had no idea about, but evidently not a pleasant experience. Oftentimes requires women to go into stores and you know, have people come and do measurements and do stuff. And even after all that, they often uh, come out with bras that are ill-fitting and uncomfortable. Well, Third Love changed all that because you buy it online and all you have to do is fill out a really quick questionnaire, uh, just a few simple questions that's actually fun and takes less than a minute to do. And then it you, you'll be able to find a much better fitting bra this way. And the reason for that is because Third Love has more bra sizes than any bra band, brand. Excuse me. It's, and that's because they came up with half sizes, just like shoes have half sizes. Bras should have half sizes. They actually found out that most women uh, are wearing ill-fitting bras because most women should be in a half-size bra. And they've uh, said 50% of women fall in between standard cup sizes. So they invented half cup sizing, which is pretty cool. And it's much more comfortable, high quality bras. Uh, Christian, your wife got one of these as well, right? Or several of them. Yeah, she uh, got one, bought some more, and she loves them. They're, it's um, every day. She, um, we went, I, I think I talked about this, we went to Wyoming for a week. It, that, that's what she packed. She had other options. She did not bring them. You are away from home. You can't change your mind. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what she brought with her. These are hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own. They're tagless, which I understand is very important because that means no itching. A lot of women complain because they have tags. Tagless straps that won't slip. Uh, ultra soft smoothing fabrics. And they're lightweight and super thin. Uh, you got to try these. Uh, if, if you are uh, somebody that, that wears bras or know someone that does, then I would highly recommend you do this. Uh, there's a perfect fit bra for everyone. That's what Third Love knows. And so right now they're offering listeners of DLC 15% off your first order. If you go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now, find your f- perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC for 15% off today. T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E.com slash DLC gets you 15% off. All right, guys, uh, let's start the stream up again, I guess. I will do that. Nope. I will not do that. I will do that here. I think my wife didn't turn the air conditioning on and I'm like about to pass out (laughs) talking about Spider-Man. All right, I have uh, gone on at length. Uh, now it is time, Aaron, to talk about your playlist. What have you been playing? So I got Guacamole 2 the day it came out, and I played through it in, I think, two sittings. Ooh. It's, it's fantastic. It's, I does that mean it. it's short, or does that mean you sit long time? No, it means <laughs> I sit a long time because I don't work. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's not super long. I would say it's probably like 10 hours, maybe eight to 10, something like that. Um, so like comparable to the first one. Um, 
but I thought the first game was fantastic and it it definitely doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it is just refined. I think it looks better than ever. And oh, the gameplay is so tight. Like it's just such good platforming. Like it just feels perfect. And I just I loved I love how colorful and bright bright and like hopeful it is. Like it's 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 I I think it's amazing. I think it's one of the best Metroidvanias. And you're playing this on Switch? I thought on Switch yet, or else I'd own it. Oh. Now, all the stuff I saw for Guacamelee 2 were like these insane levels where like there's alternating color bands and you can only jump oh, yeah. in the certain... Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like it would break my brain. No, it's insane, but it's all doable. <laughs> it just takes practice. And yeah. you will get good, and then you'll be like, I am the best platformer ever. <laughs> it's very rewarding. Um, <clears throat> I think I posted something on Twitter where I, I did this run, and it's yeah, it's probably like 20 seconds. And I'm like, yeah, that took me 20 minutes to do. <laughs> like, yeah. I died yeah. repeatedly to do this 20 seconds, tw- sorry, 20 second sequence that got me a new costume. But <laughs> those things are all optional. Like, the main game is actually very, very doable. Like, mm. I don't think it's like too hard. Um, I actually think it's quite well balanced. Um, I don't know. I-, I super enjoyed it. I couldn't put it down. And I just sat there and played it. Are you that guy that loves these? I mean, are you a Celeste playing? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I am a Celeste. Super Meat Boy living. Yeah. yeah. I kind of am. I'm a big, yeah. like, I love a platformer. I love, like, a challenge. Um, it's definitely challenge, and it makes you learn it. But it's also um, very fair. You know, like, the systems all make sense. So mm-hmm. it's just all about making, like, wrapping your head around it. Um yeah, I don't know. I think it's a super, super cool follow-up. I love what Drinkbox does. I, I, I think they're just making like super cool games. Yeah, it's yeah. a game that I love the first one, and but I have so much to play right now that I'm that jerk hoping for the Ultimate Edition or whatever to come to Switch just so I can take it with right. me. And I feel like I should probably just buy it, but I don't... With Spider-Man coming out so soon and Dead Cells consuming so much of my life, it's just... Oh, I, I hate it because I really want to support Drinkbox in this game, but I feel like I know I'd play it more right. when it's on my Switch. I mean, honestly, like I couldn't put it down, so I think that's a pretty good sell, you know. Um, when, when is it supposed to hit Switch? It's not. Know? It's not announced yet. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a problem. Yeah, just PS4 yeah. right now and uh, Steam. Yeah, it seems like it seems like an inevitability. I mean, it's just like the perfect game for that platform. Yeah, the first game did it too. I forget how long it was, but it came to Xbox, you know, later as yeah. like a, the complete edition or whatever. The but it was on PlayStation for a while. Edition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're also playing Dead Cells, right, Aaron? Oh my God, I know you guys have talked about this, but I think Dead Cells is like contender for Game of the Year. It's for sure so yeah. incredible, and I, it took me a while to to like figure it out. Where, you know, like, I got it, and I was like, oh, I died. Oh, I died again. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> but then there's something that clicks, and then all of a sudden you just get it. And I cannot stop playing it. I think it is the quintessential, like, perfect Switch game. Mm-hmm. Because you could just, like, you know, you can play a run in 15 minutes. You know, 40 if you're good. I'm not that good. But, um, you know, you can just, like, do a quick session it's so tight. I, I just love all the systems at play. I'm, I, I actually don't 
quite love roguelikes, and this is the first one I've ever like truly loved. Like, I just think it's hmm. just so so satisfying. And like, I mean, this couldn't be more roguelike. Yeah, right? I mean, it's yeah, like... exactly. Because yeah, you're just like, oh, oh, here's a new map, and you have random weapons. Like, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So what is it? What's different about this? I mean, if you don't, if you haven't liked roguelikes before, it's like saying I don't like chocolate, and I had the like triple chocolate cake, and now I like chocolate. You know, it's like it's, it's a, as as intensely roguelike as you can get. I think it's the uh, the gameplay, the like the gameplay systems, like the combat. I think just feels good. Um, mm-hmm. I liked Rogue Legacy. I didn't love it because I just didn't think the combat was there. And like right. this combat for me feels like top notch. It's all very like, you know, what are your weapons? Like, you know, using your role strategically and like using your like special things. I, I just think it's like super tight. And, you know, it, 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 it doesn't hurt that it looks so amazing. It, it just looks like if, if Sega Saturn had been successful and we just got 2D consoles forever, like this is what game <laughs> right oh totally that is that is that is a great way of describing it i love it uh christian i know you've been playing dead cells nonstop too um does do you think dead cells needs more content does it need to feed the beast or is there enough there to keep keep you know keep banging your head against that dead cell I mean, yeah, I haven't completed it yet, so I don't think it needs more content until I've seen the end of its <laughs> right. the end of its content. I'm still purposely avoiding certain runs because I think they're a, a little too annoying for how power how underpowered I am to go certain ways. So I think there's plenty, there's enough there. There um, for me, I, I have hit a point where I think I need to just do some grinding for me to um, be powered up enough for where I am in the game. I have. Uh, I can consistently get past the concierge and then I'm maybe 50, 50 on um, clock King. What's his name? Timekeeper. Um, but then after that, I, I just get wrecked. So it's, a, it's like, I'm at this point now where it's like, do I want to do like a 40 minute run to really grind and get all these cells and then just get lit up when I'm trying to get into the new parts of the game? Like how fun is that? So I'm waiting right. for that back half of the game to click. Cause I'm not, quite there i think i let i don't mean this to be a humble brag but i think i let skill and or getting loadouts i was good at carry me further in the game than i should be (laughs) um and now i'm kind of hitting a a little bit of a difficulty curve or i need to learn a different loadout but i'm just so committed to the weapons i'm using that i haven't learned how to you know parlay these enemies weaknesses that i'm facing now yeah, it's interesting. You sort of get yourself into a rhythm of a certain path through the early content. And you, I'm not saying you, I'm saying me. Uh, I tend to, um, you know, it's that thing where you, you, you repeat the same, it's like, let's say you, you're trying to memorize something and you say the, the first two pages of a thing and then you get stuck on the third and then you go back to the beginning and you do the first two. Or when you're like writing your first screenplay, and you keep rewriting the first bit and then you add an extra page and then you read it through and you rewrite the, the first bit again and you add a second page. You're, that first like little bit is going to be really good because you keep doing it over and over and over again. And the latter half, which you do rarely, is takes longer to get right. And I feel like that's the same phenomenon here is, is you get so good on those first few areas because they're so familiar because you keep doing them over and over again. And it takes so much longer to get to the latter half and get good at those 
areas because right and even though the first part is procedural and isn't exactly the same layout i know the enemy types i know how to i'm, I'm comfortable defeating them i know what i want to load up to go take on the concierge and i know my way up the tower and kind of how i want to play those sections of the game but yeah it, it's hard I, i'm a little i'm a little frustrated with with myself and with the game right now because it's just any other game right one well, a non-roguelike you get to the hard boss in Guacamelee 2 or whatever, a hard section, and you can just reload that section. And here, as even as well-versed as I am in the early parts of the game, it's still 20 minutes. It's like, hey, do you want to play this game for 20 <laughs> minutes to then get your butt handed to you <laughs> on minute 21? And I haven't quite found the joy in that yet. But uh, I think I'll take a little break here uh, next week um, <laughs> with another game that's coming out on PlayStation, and then I'll dive back in. All right, Christian, what is on your playlist? What I want to talk about is Far Cry 5, the DLC update. It is um, Dead Living Zombies came out and is the third and final thing of kind of the season pass or what's been planned. And uh, man, I really like these DLCs. They're not um, as rich as the main game, but in terms of little encapsulated experiences within the world... They are really cool. And this one takes the a kind of Left for Dead approach where there are multiple chapters that are all kind of standalone playthrough experiences that leads me to one of my annoyances with it. I'll get to it in a minute. But they're all movie posters. And I've, oh, I should have looked it up. I forget exactly which character this is. It's not Herc, but it's one of the characters. And he's running around trying to pitch his cheesy horror movies to various big time directors, like stopping someone in in an elevator. All right, I'm going to give you the best elevator pitch ever given in an actual elevator. Here we go. And then it like fades into the game. So it does some really of that fun, um, untrustworthy narrator stuff or things changing that we talked about how I loved uh, call of war as gunslinger for doing that. And like the first one, it's like you walk out of your house and it's super foggy. And then the director's like, no, 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 it's clear. That way I can use lens flare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's lens flare everywhere. And then the fog leaves the game and all the headlights start creating lens flare. And, you know, there's like silly stuff like that throughout. Like, and you climb to the top of the tower and there's nothing there showing you that consumerism is bad. <laughs> and the director's like, no, it, there's got to be an awesome gun up there. Okay, fine. Awesome gun. Okay. And then like a gun appears. Uh, it's really, really fun, silly stuff like that. And, like, not all the jokes land, but there's, like, you know, faux political commentary, self-reflective commentary about Far Cry 5 itself where it's, like, cause, and then we're going to have American flags in the background because this game and everything about it in every which way, shape, and form is talking about America and its politics and the world in which you actually live and isn't just a video game. <laughs> and it's, like, you know, they take shots at themselves and, and shots at other things. And then... um the gameplay itself is much more straightforward than the open world Far Cry. And even from the first two kind of expansions where they have kind of broken out parts of that, where it's the first one is you're in a jungle and you can be a little stealthy. And the second one is basically going and taking down these bases. These are uh, of the three I've played a little more linear in terms of his kind of do these checkpoints, get to this thing. Um, but uh, really fun, creative, short jump-in, jump-out playthroughs. The thing, the gripe I have with it is that they are meant to be played in the sitting. So, for instance, on the second one, a they use that um, technique to spawn a boss at the very end of the level, and that boss killed me my first time through. 
And then I had to start the whole movie pitch from the beginning again. And Far Cry 5, Dead Living Zombies is not a roguelike, and I did not enjoy that. <laughs> it's not <laughs> terribly long to get through, but I was still like, really? I have to do all of that? Fine. And he killed me again, and I did it again, so that's why I've only played three of the experiences um, so far. But I think if you are a season pass, uh, if you purchase season pass or the gold edition of the game and you already have these, I think it's definitely worth downloading and playing. Is it worth it if you're just looking to buy one as like a one-off? I don't think this is the strongest of them. I think it's the most fun narratively and kind of how it's pulling things in and out of the world like that. But I think of the three, my favorite is still the Vietnam one because it feels, that one feels like a four-hour Far Cry. Like it Mm -hmm. has all the trappings of a Far Cry just on a smaller map. Um, And this one feels much more, like I think I'd want to play this co-op and it'd feel like a a little more linear Left 4 Dead kind of thing where you just... Right. mowing down a horde of zombies even the text on the screen were like loading screens where it would give you tips typically in games <laughs> this one has like jokes there'll be some tips and it'll be like uh us using zombies in this game was a narrative choice and wasn't just because we didn't have time for complex ais for our third dlc and <laughs> 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 it's like you know little things along those lines uh where they're very self-aware so it's cool and that's far cry 5 the dead living zombies i was playing on xbox one did either of you take the plunge on this or the season pass when it came out i didn't and it sounds to me a little bit like you have enjoyed these dlc things more than you enjoyed the base game of far cry 5 the base game is 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 more fun in terms of its scope and all the the silliness you get to do i think tonally the base game is mismatched between the narrative and the open world and i feel like these little things nail the tone uh, they don't try to be one thing versus another. They do one thing and do one thing well. I was going to say the that tonal mismatch is basically the calling card of Far Cry series, I think. <laughs> it's um, true. Like Far Cry 3 was the best game I ever played where I literally hated any time anyone spoke. You know? <laughs> um, but I, I, still, I still super enjoyed it like to, to play. And also the same with 4 and 5. So it's yeah. like I wish they wouldn't try to bite off more they could chew with their stories because the game is so fun to play but then it's like everything else about it is so problematic and it's just like really trying at times yeah yeah well if you have it if you have the dlc check it out i think it's definitely worth the you know five minutes it will take you to download however big the you know expansion is but if you're looking if you don't have it already um i would say if you're only going to buy one yeah i'd reinforce and say the vietnam one has been my favorite. And the other game, I got a code from this from our friends at Zen Studios, but Castle Storm has come to Switch. Castle Storm is on everything. I think it came out originally on Xbox 360, but there's like a Wii U version. There's iOS, a, I think, isn't there? Even? The different version, like like a iOS version of the game. Um, it came to Switch, got a code, checked it out. It's what I remember. If you know nothing about it, it's kind of like a more mature angry birds where you're, you know, you're firing your catapult or um, whatever it is, harpoon spears at another tower across the way, but you're also able to spawn enemy troops or sp- enemy troops, spawn troops to send over and try to, you know, get through the door, or take down their troops. Um, you can take direct control of uh, so, like the, um, the big sword guy, the melee guy and go down there and, and brawl your way through their enemy lines. You need to, spawn your troops to counter their troops so that you can be firing your blaster at their 
tower to try to take it down. So there's it's a tower defense game in that way where you're trying to buff your side and, and take down everything that they throw at you. Um, and it's it's as fun as it ever was. It's I think it's a, a really great game <laughs> on Switch. It it plays really well on Switch, not surprisingly, because it's a, an old game at this point. Um, I still think the aiming is a little finicky with you use the left stick to kind of move um, your projectile arc before you shoot it. And it's always, maybe because I was playing with the Joy-Cons, I feel like I didn't, it wasn't as precise as I want it to be when things got hectic. But in terms of a game that fits really well on the Switch, just pick up and play for a little bit, it, it really works in that regard. And, uh, you know, I didn't notice anything new. I'm not a Castle Storm expert, but I wasn't like, oh yeah, I can see how this came over or this side or the other. But if you're looking for another fun distraction on the switch. I think castle storm certainly fits the bill. Very, very cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's our playlist. Uh, we went long cause I, you know, I ranted a long time about Spider-Man, but, um, we, you know, program note. I know that, uh, everybody, I got a lot of tweets this week asking me, there's some big high profile VR games that came out specifically PS VR games, specifically firewall zero hour. I know Christian, you've got your hands on that. And, uh, we're going to play some this week, and we'll talk about it next week. Is that, is that cool with you, Christian? Oh, sure. Are you going to play it? Yeah, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it. Dang uh, but I know I'm you want to borrow my... Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> I'll let you borrow it, and then I'll, uh, I'll get it back from you, and then we'll, you know, and we'll talk about it next week. Um, um, and maybe we can play together a little bit, too. I'll just say this. Other people play it. But we'll talk about it more next week, but other, go play this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, so I know a lot of people were like, hey, I want to hear what you think about it. I, all I've been playing is Spider-Man, and of course... Uh, doing my dailies for World of Warcraft. <laughs> so between uh, Spider-Man and World of Warcraft, my life has been a bad parent. What? No, I meant a uh, fault. Um, so yes, uh, I'm excited to try some VR stuff and we will talk about that next week. But uh, we're going to wrap things up. We got uh, we got parting gifts coming up. So stick around for that. But Aaron Morales, thank you so much for being here, sir. It is always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. I love being here. It's uh, just like such a treat. I love it. So thank you, guys. Well, it is my sincere hope that your next position allows you to be here as well. Um, but we certainly wish you the best of luck as that position manifests. Yes, thank you. I don't think it will, but we'll see. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> so, so this like, may be your song song. One more in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there are any hoops that we can jump through uh, to make you able to come back, I'm more than happy to try. So uh, ho- hopefully <laughs> that'll so happen. But congratulations on the new gig, and we're excited to hear about what exactly it is. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite ready to go public but i will be relating it soon <laughs> he's going <laughs> undercover with the cia no, he's, uh, he's having an ipo you can buy shares in aaron he's not ready to go public yet but look for him on his- <laughs> um in the meantime where can people follow you and keep up with what you're doing uh i'm on uh twitter at airline m although i basically took five months off which was actually quite spectacular and i highly recommend it um, so you're that, telling me you not only were unemployed, yes, you also didn't spend any unemployment looking at Twitter. That's no, incredible. No, I was just like, you know what, I'm good. <laughs> That's amazing. I largely annoyed it. I think I tweeted maybe five times in those five months. So <laughs> it feels like unemployment and Twitter were made to go together. But I am very impressed that you managed to to not. And also, my days. happiness skyrocketed. I don't know. I don't I, know what to tell you. I believe it. You know? I believe it. Well, that's great. Uh, awesome. Uh, Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? 
Uh, Twitter is a good way to get in touch at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. Instagram, Christian underscore Spicer. I'm hoping to stream some Spider-Man when I get it, when it comes out on my Twitch, along with I stream this show there every week, twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And uh, we're, we announced this. You'll get a sneak peek on this right now because we don't announce it until not this Wednesdays, but next week's. But Chris Quintos and I, we are sunsetting Department of Parenting uh, at the end of September, where you can find all episodes. The archives will stay up, but it's at departmentofparenting.com. Chris is, um, she's very pregnant. Uh, her due date is the 12th. Seems and very, very in line with the themes of the show, though. It, seems it, it is, but we decided instead of taking like a, you know, hiatus for several months, we still might come back, but it's, uh, uh, you know, an un- un- or, uh, no return date planned she's gonna ha- have her kid and we'll see i didn't want to be like we need to get 20 in the bank so that we're covered <laughs> after you have your kid um but through the end of the month you know, there'll be new episodes uh coming out there department of parenting.com very cool and you can always hear me on the slash film cast talking about movies and tv shows as well uh that is at slash filmcast.com i believe we're talking about searching this week which is uh should be an interesting discussion so check that out also you can follow me on twitter i'm at jeff canada and again if you have any comments or questions about the show please don't hesitate to send them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com that's also where you can send us quick questions too if you have any of those or uh parting gifts which we are going to get to right now And by right now, I meant after the sponsor, <laughs> which I almost forgot about. Hey, guys, you know that uh, – and, and gals uh, – you know that, uh, as I said, the deluge is about to begin. Uh, we're about to be inundated by all of the fall releases. There's just no way. There's just no way to play video game. all the video games that are coming out. And it's happening now. It's starting now. Spider-Man, Tomb Raider. It, it's just going to start happening. It's week after week after week, all the way through Christmas – who has the ability to get every single game that comes out? Nobody. That's why Gamefly exists. Gamefly is a subscription to video games. It puts video games where they belong in the hands of gamers who love them. And with your monthly subscription to Gamefly.com, you can pick your favorite games from over 9,000 titles, have them mailed directly to your door. No shipping costs, no late fees. Keep them as long as you want. Play them as long as you want. You don't have to worry about a specific time to send them back. You don't have to rush. You can just play them to your heart's content. You don't have to worry about late fees. You don't have to waste your money by bl- buying all the games you want. Just play them as long as you want. Send them back. They send you the next game on your list. It works out to as little as 54 cents a day. Always free shipping. You can cancel anytime. You're not locked into anything. And Gamefly offers movie rentals too. Christian, you've been a longtime Gamefly aficionado and customer and and player of games. There'd be no way I'd get through the fall without them. I got my queue ready. Tomb Raider will be here when it comes out. I'm very excited. I'm trying to think what I had out right. Oh, I think I still have Overcooked that I'm playing right now via Gamefly. It's great. It's 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 great. I been spending my own money on Gamefly for years now, and I, I recommend it. Go to Gamefly.com slash DLC2 and start your free premium 30-day trial today. The premium trial allows you to check out two games and or movies at a time. That's why it says two after the DLC. You can only get this offer by using Gamefly.com slash DLC2. 
two. Usually the first free month is only with one game, but you get the premium two games with Gamefly.com slash DLC2. So go sign up today. Start playing your favorite games absolutely free for 30 days. <laughs> All right, time for parting gifts. Aaron, you have uh, something to recommend to people that maybe isn't a video game? Yes. Uh, so this weekend was the 10th anniversary of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. And they re-released every single movie in IMAX in select city, including New York city. So I went and saw five of them this weekend. Wow. Uh, which was super fun, including the very first one, Iron Man, which was such a blast to watch after 10 years, uh, on the big bet. And then I saw Captain America one and two. And then I was like, Oh my God, Haley Atwell is a gift from God. And then I watched Howard's End on Stars. So that took a twist. Nice. <laughs> so yeah. I'm recommending Howard's End on Stars, which is a fantastic <laughs> Long and windy series. <laughs> As part of Marvel's 10th anniversary. Yeah. Which, it, Howard's End? It all came back to Peggy. You know, like she's, she's so incredible. <laughs> and she's so wonderful in this show. Uh, it's just a four-part miniseries. I think it's like eight bucks on Amazon Prime uh, or Amazon Video, whatever. Um yeah. Uh, super recommend it. It's a very, um, it's just like a good British period drama. And also, you know, Cap 1 and 2 are great too. And also all the other <laughs> You are not the first person that has recommended Howard End, Howard's End. I, I've been meaning to watch it. I really, yeah. uh, really have been meaning to watch it. I think my wife and I will yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Howard's End. Uh, Christian Spicer, how about you? What is your parting gift? Do you still love seeing your uh, comedic heroes take dark turns and dramas that put them through the ringer? I know I do. Ozark <laughs> season two. It, it, oh, it's back. It's back. It's back. It's back. I haven't finished it, but uh, I never knew I loved Jason Bateman being a POS as much as I love him being. Oh, and he was so kind good. of a POS in Arrested Development, but like a different kind, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, so far so good. Uh, they, there isn't a season one recap. Like if you watched it and your partner did it and they maybe want to watch season two with you or you have new roommates or something. Um, the season one recap is pretty good in terms of just getting people right into it. I think that's probably a better route than being like, no, Mike, go watch all of season one. I'll wait for you because you won't. <laughs> you won't wait for them. Um, season two starts off quick and doesn't stop, it seems. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, we got a listener-suggested parting gift, which you can send to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Chris from Newcastle, England, who says, I'd like to recommend a podcast co-hosted by former DLC guest Tim Longo. Dev Game Club features Tim and another veteran game developer, Brett Dowville. Over the course of four or five episodes, Tim and Brett play through a classic game from the past and discuss, discuss its relevance today. They cover everything from design and story to development history and influences. There are no hot takes here. These guys go beyond the first two hours and provide the kind of long-term in-depth discussion of games you just don't find on the majority of podcasts today. Seconded. Go listen to yeah. their System Shock one. It's like early on, so their production quality wasn't as good as it is now. I think Tim was still trying to find the right mic, I believe was the running joke they had. But incredible, incredible episodes. Yeah, and I think we talked about this when Tim was on the show. Um, but yes, it definitely were, is worth underlining. Uh, thank you, Chris, for sending in your parting gift. Uh, my parting gift is a, a movie my wife and I went to see uh, this week that 
uh, wasn't really on my radar, but she really wanted to see it. And it's rare that she and I get to go see movies together in the movie theaters. Uh, but my mom was in town for babysitting duty. So it was great. And we got to go see uh, Juliet Naked, which is based on uh, the Nick Hornsby novel uh, and stars Ethan Hawke. Uh, and it is, uh, it's, um, a lovely little story that kind of lands just in my wheelhouse. It's about, uh, a guy, Chris O'Dowd is, is a guy who, uh, is obsessed with a, um, a band from the nineties, a, a singer from the nineties who like has disappeared and has like one album that he just idolizes and, uh, sort of love triangle with that guy and his girlfriend. It's, uh, it's fun it's a fun movie it's not great but it's fun and i enjoyed it uh, it's called juliet naked all right that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc thanks again to aaron morales and christian spicer for hanging out with me thanks to all the folks in our chat rooms for hanging out with us uh, on this episode as well uh thanks to our musical contributors patrick l sean madigan and zero star thank you to you for downloading this episode we certainly appreciate it hey why not recommend us to a friend or even better Take a second, give us a five-star review on your platform of choice. It does help the show, helps people discover it. Uh, We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.